Hello everyone, and welcome to JTalk Extra Time. I'm James Taylor, and in part one of this week's episode, I'll be reviewing five of the games from J2 Match Day 17. In part two, John Steele has the other six games, and in part three, he and I will take a closer look at a few of the games and preview the coming weekend's fixtures. And in JTalk Short Corner, Mike Innes casts an eye over the J3 teams who played Emperor's Cup matches. There was a mouth-watering matchup at the Gion Stadium between league leaders Machida Zelvia and promotion hopefuls Shimizu Espals, and it did not disappoint. Yu Hirakawa put Machida ahead in the 31st minute, capitalising on a dreadful error by a Shimizu defender on the edge of his own area to round keeper Shui Chigonda and score. Katsuhiro Nakayama levelled for Espals 11 minutes later when he was played in by Takashi Inui and placed an angled shot across Machida goalie William Pope and into the far corner. Machida's Mitchell Duke, Shunta Araki and Shota Fujio all hit the post in the final 20 minutes or so and it looked like Machida would have to settle for a draw. But in the sixth minute of stoppage time, a deflected shot fell at the feet of Jang Mingyu and he turned and fired past Gonda to take all three points. 2-1 the final score, meaning Machida preserved their seven-point lead over Tokyo Verdi and Shimizu dropped one place to ninth. Zuegen Kanazawa welcomed their biggest crowd of the season 6,502 people plus three Pikachus, assuming Pokemon are not included in official attendance figures, for an electrifying game against Vanfrey Kofu, which the visitors won 1-0 thanks to a Peter Utaka goal midway through the second half. A ball over the top wasn't dealt with by Taiga Son, and Utaka took advantage to shoot past him, leaving him looking like a bit of a Snorlax. Kanazawa had plenty of good chances, three for Masamichi Hayashi, two for Junya Kato and two for Shunya Mori in stoppage time, but Kofu keeper Kohei Kawata played like a machamp and kept them at bay to earn a clean sheet and move Kofu up to fourth. This was their sixth 1-0 win of the season. In fact, only three of their games have been won by more than a goal. Kanazawa dropped to 16th, just one win and one draw from their last seven. First half goals from Thiago Alves and Yoshiki Fujimoto were enough to give Monterio Yamagata the three points at home to Blaublitz Akita. The first goal came in somewhat fortunate circumstances. A corner was headed onto the post and then bounced into the goal off Thiago Alves, who was standing about a yard from goal. That was in the 32nd minute, and five minutes later Alves could have got a second when a good save from Kentaro Kakoi fell to him, but he sliced wide from close in. The lead was doubled in the 39th minute though, as Fujimoto met Zane Isaka's inch-perfect cross to head past Kakoi. Junki Hata pulled one back for Akita early in the second half, heading in a free kick from the right, but this one ended 2-1 to Yamagata, who rise to 15th with a third win since Susumu Watanabe took over. Consecutive losses for Akita, who are 10th now. Just above Yamagata in 14th are Jeff United Chiba, who won for the third game in a row. Hiro Komori picking up where he left off before injury to score the only goal of the game against Tochigi SC. It came in the 78th minute when he headed in across from Koki Yonekura on the right, but he could have had a couple in the first half, and with Tomoya Miki also hitting the post, this probably should have been more comfortable for Jeff. Tochiki stayed 19th, with three losses in their last five. Omiya Ardija grabbed a point at home to Vigata Sendai, but couldn't lift themselves off the bottom of the table. Sendai's Yuta Goke opened the scoring just after half an hour. He rose highest, heading across from the left. Sendai failed to put the game out of Omiya's reach, though, and the squirrels pushed forward in the last 25 minutes, finally getting their reward in the 88th minute with a looping header from Rin Yamazaki. 1-1 the final score, Omiya a point from safety, Sendai sitting in 12th. That's it for part one. Up next, John has the rest of Sunday's games. 
Thanks for that, James. Hi, everyone. John Steele here to run you through the rest of the J2 action from Sunday. And uh, let's start with Fujieda. They were without the J2 top scorer, Ryo Watanabe, for their home game against Tokushima. Uh, he was suspended, but uh, it, it didn't uh, didn't hinder them at all. They ended up beating Tokushima 3-0 to end their four-match losing streak. Tokushima did have some early chances. Taiyo Nishino went clean through and had his shot saved by the Fujieda keeper Tomoki Ueda and uh, Yuichiro Kakitani also had a chance for the visitors. But in the 39th minute, the home side went ahead with a brilliant goal. Keigo Enomoto curling a beautiful shot past Jose Aurelio Suarez from about 20 yards. A fantastic goal, probably the best, uh, best of the weekend. On the hour, it was 2-0 after some very shoddy Tokushima defending. Ryota Iwabuchi played the ball out wide right to Tojio Kubo, and then Iwabuchi advanced completely unmarked into the Tokushima penalty area. Nobody bothered to uh, pick him up or mark him, so Kubo passed the ball back to him, and Iwabuchi fired into the bottom corner. Really poor effort uh, from Tokushima in terms of a tracking back and uh, marking. Right at the end, Kubo was the provider again for a third Fujieda goal. He crossed low for Akiyuki Yokoyama to put the ball past Suarez first time from about 10 yards. So Fujieda 3, Tokushima 0 was the final score. A great win for Fujieda that moves them up to 13th. Tokushima, uh, they're in 17th place. This was a first defeat in five matches for them. Tokyo Verdi are in second place at the moment and they won very comfortably 2-0 away at struggling Yamaguchi on Sunday. This game was really over by the midway point of the first half. Verdi had gone in front in the seventh minute when, out wide on the right, Kazuya Miyahara had all the time in the world to put in a cross for Keito Kawamura to head in from about six yards. So Verdi were 1-0 up early on. Ten minutes later, it was 2-0 as Koki Morita's low cross into the penalty area evaded everyone except Daiki Fukazawa at the back post and he tucked away his chance uh, under no pressure with no problems. Now, things went from bad to very bad for Yamaguchi in the 22nd minute as their goalkeeper, Riku Terakado, well, he was in possession on the edge of his own penalty area and uh, fell over, That's the, I think. I'm not still not sure what happened. The, uh, he slipped and uh, ended up on his backside. That presented the ball straight to Verdi's Byron Vasquez, who uh, put in a shot to try to lift the ball over the goalkeeper. Terracado, the keeper, then clearly handled the ball with uh, both hands uh, outside the penalty area. And after some consternation and some complaints, that eventually led to a red card for, uh, for Terracado. Um, so substitute goalkeeper Choi Hyong Chan came on for Yamaguchi, uh, but they were already 2-0 down and uh, yeah, down to 10 men. Verdi comfortably held on for the win. The final score was Yamaguchi nil, Tokyo Verdi 2. So yeah, as mentioned, Verdi is second. They're two points ahead of third-placed Oita, but seven behind the uh, sort of runaway leaders Machida. At the Resonac Dome, it finished Oita 1, Nagasaki 1. Oita will be disappointed that they failed to win this game since Nagasaki were down to 10 men from the 25th minute onwards when 10 Miyagi got a second yellow card. For the second yellow, Miyagi lost possession to Oita's Naoki Nomura and then hauled him down from behind. That was a richly deserved booking. But Miyagi's first yellow card was very harsh, in my opinion. He uh, jumped up for a header with uh, Oita centre-back Katsunori Uebisu. Uh, you know, they clashed. I think Miyagi caught him accidentally and was very unfortunate to get, get the first yellow card. But having been uh, booked already, uh, yeah, it was uh, incredibly foolish to, uh, to pull down Nomura on the halfway line. So Miyagi was off. Uh, and uh, Nagasaki were down to 10 men after 25 minutes. 
six minutes before half-time, Oita took the lead through Kazuki Fujimoto. On the left-hand side of the penalty area, he was able to dance away from two Nagasaki defenders and then fire a fierce rising drive in at Go Hatano's near post for 1-0. But in the 75th minute, the 10 men from Nagasaki grabbed an equaliser. A clever free-kick routine saw Valdo, the centre-back, get a header on target from Asahi Masayama's delivery. Konosuke Nishikawa in the Oita goal made a good save from that header, but the loose ball popped up just right for Kaio Cesar to head over the line from close range to make it Oita 1, Nagasaki 1. And that's how the game finished. Oita now in third place, uh, two points behind Tokyo Verdi, as mentioned, and they're without a win in their last three. Nagasaki, meanwhile, are also a little bit off the boil at the moment. They haven't won any of their last four, and they're in fifth place, but only two points behind uh, Oita. At Kei's Denki Stadium, there was a comfortable win for Kumamoto, who could even afford the luxury of missing a late penalty. It finished Mito nil, Kumamoto 3. The visitors went in front in the 7th minute here, when a long ball from Ryotaro Onishi found Daichi Ishikawa in between the two uh, Mito central defenders. Uh, to be honest, you could have uh, probably driven a, quite a big bus between the two centre-backs as well, and he confidently finished to make it uh, Mito nil, Kumamoto 1. Kumamoto then had a string of chances and could have been out of sight by half-time, really. Mito keeper Kaiho Nakayama made a good save from a low shot from Ishikawa. Takuya Shimamura hit the post with a low effort from the edge of the box. And then when the goalkeeper Nakayama made a mistake and spilled across straight to Ishikawa, Rei Hirakawa smacked the ball against the Mito crossbar. But the home side held on at 1-0 down until 10 minutes into the second half when Kumamoto scored again. This time from a Hirakawa knockdown, Ishikawa controlled the ball and volleyed confidently past Nakayama from about 10 yards. That's Ishikawa's ninth goal of a very impressive season up front for Kumamoto. In the 76th minute, the away side then added a third goal. Shuhei Kamimura picked the pocket of a Mito player as they rather clumsily tried to build up from the back. Kamimura found himself bearing down on goal and beautifully chipped Nakayama from the edge of the D to make it 3-0. As mentioned, Kumamoto could have put some extra icing on their delicious away cake by adding a fourth goal from the penalty spot. Yuki Omoto was brought down from behind by Yota Tanabe in the 86th minute, but Nakayama, the goalkeeper, did really well to save Omoto's spot kick. So the final score was Mito nil, Kumamoto 3. That result sees Kumamoto up in 11th and at Mito 18th. And uh, by the way, Mito have 33 goals conceded now. That's the joint worst record in the division, along with Yamaguchi. And mentioned as well, Kumamoto had Yuya Sato back in goal for this game. Uh, he replaced the regular number one, Ryuga Tashiro, who was suspended... Tashiro, the regular goalkeeper, has managed to pick up four yellow cards in 16 matches this season. So a yellow card every four games for a goalkeeper. That's uh, quite, quite good going from him. At Yamaha Stadium in Shizuoka, Jubilo Iwata seems set to make it four wins in a row, but conceded a last-minute equaliser in a home draw against Iwaki. It finished Iwata 1, Iwaki 1. This game was uh, fairly close for the most part, but 6th place Iwata eventually took the lead in the 81st minute. Rio Germain laid the ball off to Dudu and he put in a low 30-yard strike that flew past the Iwaki keeper Toru Takagiwa 
and into the bottom corner. So Iwata went 1-0 up late on, must have thought they were going to take all three points, but Iwaki earned a valuable point thanks to a towering near-post header from a corner. Big centre-back Rio Endo was the target, and he scored uh, with a header for the second game in a row. So Iwata won, Iwaki won at full-time. Iwata, yes, in sixth place now, ahead of seventh-place Gunma on goal difference. Iwaki are in 20th, uh, they're outside the relegation zone, just on goal difference, two goals better off than 21st place Yamaguchi, but I think they'll be highly delighted with a point from this game. And in the Sunday night match, it finished Okayama 2, Gunma 1, an 85th minute volley from Stefan Mork gave Okayama all three points uh, in this game. The home side got off to a perfect start when they took the lead in just the second minute. Ryo Takahashi and Taishi Semba combined down the Okayama left. And Takahashi's low cross into the penalty area was swept in from six yards by Thiago Alves. It was nearly 2-0 in the fourth minute, with Gunma goalkeeper Masatoshi Kushibiki making a good save from Solomon Sakuragawa. This was after Thiago Alves had set him up. But Gunma are very resilient this season, and they came back into the game as the half wore on. Ryo Sato rattled the Okayama crossbar with a free kick. And Yordi Bice had to head the ball off the line on the stroke of half-time to protect the Okiyama lead. In the second half, Gunma were handed a chance to equalise in the 49th minute with a penalty. A left-wing cross hit Yosuke Kawai on the arm. Uh, he claimed he was outside the penalty area, but it's pretty obvious on the replay that he was, uh, unfortunately for Okiyama, inside the 18-yard box. And Ryo Sato emphatically tucked away the penalty to make it 1-1. But after that, the home side finished the stronger... Uh, Stefan Mork, on as a sub, had a snapshot well saved by Kushibiki in the Gunma goal. But Mork did grab Okayama's winner with five minutes to go after some great work from another substitute, Lukao. He controlled a throw-in on his chest inside the Gunma penalty area and then he crossed the ball with an overhead kick for Mork to volley home from 10 yards. So it finished Okayama 2, uh, Gunma 1, thanks to that nice Stefan Mork volley at the end. So Gunma drop out of the top six now on goal difference, uh, you know, were replaced by Iwata, as mentioned, they're seventh. Okayama are handily placed, they're just a point behind in eighth. Okay, I think that's all for the uh, the round 17 action on the pitch, but uh, please stay tuned. In a moment, uh, you'll hear James and I in conversation. We're going to pick out uh, three or four of the big games and the big talking points and also preview the next round of matches uh, coming up next weekend. So, uh, yeah, please stay tuned. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, James and John here to talk about a few of the uh, more interesting matches from last weekend. Uh, John, how are you? Yeah, all good. Uh, all good. Thanks, James. I see that uh, Omia have put out a kind of must-do-better statement on the club website, so we, we must be at around about round 17 of the season, because that seems to happen every every year, doesn't it? But I'm, I'm doing well. Hope you are. Hope you are, too. Yes. Yeah, it's always nice to, to know that we've reached that traditional stage of the season where uh, they change their manager and say that uh, they're they're doing their best but things aren't going to plan but let's talk uh, about a couple of uh, teams where things are kind of well kind of going to plan or going perhaps better than expected Machida Zelvia Shimizu Espos they played a very entertaining game uh, which finished 2-1 to Machida John what, what did you think of this game and, and these teams yeah, good uh, good starting point. I think by J2 standards, this match, the, this fixture kind of fits the criteria for being like a boutique or hipster match, doesn't it? Because it's two of the more 
visible teams, well-known teams. And I think there was a record attendance at um, Nozitev for this one. 10,444 is the biggest crowd they've ever had um, for a J-League game. So that all added to the kind of uh, pomp and, uh, and circumstance around the game. And it felt like a pretty high-quality game, I think, for the most part. Definitely felt like a top end of a J2 uh, crash. And uh, I think we, we probably better start at the end. It was an amazing finish, wasn't it, with Machida mm-hmm. uh, hitting the frame of the goal three times in pretty much the last five minutes. And then I think Jan Mingyu's winner was the very last kick of the game. And, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, seeing, seeing a centre-back kind of swivel and fire in like that just inside the penalty area, that, that's not something that you see every week in J2. It was a re- really well-taken goal for a, for a defender up from the back. Um, I thought Shimizu had their moments as well, and, and the goal that they scored, the equaliser uh, at the end of the first half, was, was very well worked. But um, if I had to score it in a kind of boxing contest, I think Matt Machida would have probably won on, on points. So I don't, I don't begrudge them winning, even though they, they scored the winner very, very late on. And, um, yeah, I mean, you see Machida now seven points clear at the top and a full 12 points clear of the team in sixth place. So you'd imagine, uh, of course, they're aiming for automatic promotion, quite right too, but the, uh, a minimum playoff place is looking very likely. Uh, whereas for Shimizu, I suppose, you know, it's back-to-back defeats now. So it's it's only a blip, but it's the first real test for, for Tadahiro Akiba. I think the, the honeymoon period is now is now up and uh, they're only two points off the playoff places so they won't be panicking but they're 14 points behind Machida um, and I wouldn't I, I'm not confident predicting that they'll they'll bridge that gap between now and the end of the season so Shimizu perhaps uh, already um, you know having only a kind of outside chance of maybe finishing in the top two but it's early early days still I suppose James with 17 games played what, what, what did you make of the game I, I think you perhaps watched a bit more of it than I did yeah, this was a really good game, and um, I, I, I felt when I was watching this that this, the, t- the tempo was much higher than a lot of J2 games. This felt more like a J1 game to me, but thinking about it, these, I think you could say that these are J, J1 squads, especially the attacks. I mean, um, Johnny Nickel um, reappeared the other day on Twitter, and uh, he's put out a really good um, article on his blog about all of the J1 and J2 teams with some comments on J3 teams as well. And he mentioned that um, something that I think I, I said to you uh, um, in a text a couple of weeks ago, Shimizu should have been battering teams all year, really. Um, they, uh, I think he, Johnny mentioned something to do, something about their very high XG. I, I, uh, I had a relapse and I went on Football Lab the other day. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, I know Shimizu are the league's top scorers, but they also lead the league in, in average shots per game of 17.2. The league average is 12. So they take a lot of shots. And, well, they, apart from those two games where they, they put nine past Iwaki and then five past Fujieda, they haven't really blown anyone away in terms of goals. And thinking back to their first match, they drew nil-nil with Mito, but that was one of those games that could have finished 6-5 and we hit the post and hit the bar they hit the side netting loads of times they had loads of good chances but they couldn't finish so it seems like they are um their attack is 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 um is 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 working more and i think 
part of that is is Takashi Inui is playing really well at the moment. He's got three mm. goals, five assists. He set up the goal in this game with a with a very nice pass, although it helps that the um, the scorer was it Nakayama had a lot of space to run into. It was a good finish. Whereas Machida's attack is a huge contrast to last year. Last year they had Shusuke Ota, Taigirato, Chongtese, Dudu, uh, Hasegawa. On paper, that's a really good attack, but somehow they managed to be much less than the sum of their parts. Although Ota and Hirato have uh, moved on to J1 teams and, and they're doing quite well. This year, Machida's attack is, is, is much better. With Mitch Duke, Eric, two guys who could easily be playing in J1. And then support from Hokuto Shimoda and Daigo Takahashi is hardly featured, really. He's a very good player. Um, Shunta Araki as well is doing a really, really good job. Shota Fujio's just coming on loan again, another good player who, who could easily be playing much more or at a higher level, I think. So they've had really good recruitment, Machida, and, and, and it's shown because they're seven points clear at the top. And also, I think the risk that they took in appointing Gokuroda as manager seems to be paying off. Well, they had a lot mm. of success at high school level, but you know, you never know how that's going to go. Manny's first job as, a, as the manager of a senior men's team. Mm. And I guess you could point to, oh, they got lots of money and they're signing all the best players, but it doesn't necessarily mean that things are going to go well. Mm. I mean, you could point to, to high-profile examples from almost any league in the world where throwing money at a squad or throwing money at players oh. doesn't doesn't necessarily yeah i didn't know sense. didn't didn't know we were going to talk about omir's wage bill so so early in the pod but yeah take your point <laughs> well it's not oh, yeah okay well omir omir is one um I'm, but and in terms of shimizu's manager i'm really pleased to see uh, see akiba do well because I, I i liked i liked we've talked before about him and the job he did at Mito and I think he did an excellent job there and I'm happy to see that things are going quite well for him at Shimizu although consecutive losses is a a bump in the road and I hadn't realised they were as far behind Machida as they are but I think if they keep if they keep attacking the way they are but take their chances then or take more of their chances, then I think that they, they could close that gap. And as for Machida, I think they they just keep rumbling, rumbling on, don't they? I, I don't. It's hard to see anyone stopping them because they just seem to be so good at everything. And oh, one more person I want to mention: Yu Hirakawa is a really impressive um, rookie for Machida. I, he's he's been playing really really well this year. But yeah, this this was a really good game, and I yeah I didn't think I was watching a J two match when I when I when I was watching this game. Mm. No, so. totally to- totally agreed, and uh, yeah, I think ju- just to add to that, you you're totally right with Machida's kind of um, regeneration of the forwards. But I think the the fact that they've brought in a pair of centre backs who really know what they're doing, obviously Jan Mingyu. Uh, is coming mm. from Jeff, and he he is a solid defender, but popped up with the winning goal here. And also, uh, Jurato Ikeda, obviously, come from a very, very well-organised defence at Akita. Um, mm. I, I thought even last season, 
Machi do are quite well off for midfielders and forwards, but a bit short at centre back. Um, and I think basically what we can see here is um, obviously football management's a lot more complicated than I'm about to make it sound. But basically, Gokorod has looked at where the squad was deficient and addressed every single area that that, that needed to be addressed. And they're, they're really reaping the benefits of this now. No, nobody's promoting after 70 matches, but I mean, they're in a great position at the moment. Yes. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, it's going to be interesting to see if they can keep it up. And um, and of course, it'll be interesting to see if Shimizu can catch them up or if Shimizu are going to have to settle for playoffs or even miss out on the playoffs. And uh, two more teams that are promotion hopefuls. Well, one's a promotion hopeful. One is a surprise uh, member of the top half, perhaps. Okayama and Gumma. So next game we're going to talk about. This one finished 2-1 to Okayama. Uh, this also was quite an entertaining game. Uh, with one really uh, fantastic moment of magic from Lukao, which I was very happy to see. Um, how about these teams then, John? How about this game? Uh, yeah, I thought this was a, another pretty good game uh, overall. Quite quite entertaining stuff. And uh, I think Gunma did pretty well to kind of hang on to Okayama's coattails early on because they obviously went behind in only the second minute. They gave away a pretty soft goal that Thiago Alves scored. And then in the fourth minute, it was nearly 2-0, wasn't it? Sakuragawa mm. went clean through and Gunma's keeper, uh, Mr. Spanks, uh, Kushibiki had to make a, a pretty pretty smart stop. So yeah, the game could have been, uh, you know, could have gone away from Gunma in, inside the first five minutes, but they are quite a durable, uh, obdurate team, aren't they, this season? And they kind of came back into it, um, managed to, uh, you know, get on level terms with that penalty, which I think pretty clear on the replays that um i mean i hate the handball rule as it exists now but the the argument was that the the ball had hit yosuke kawai's arm you know outside the penalty area he obviously was standing inside the penalty area so um no, 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 yeah, controversy that argument, <laughs> that argument came from vice so yes 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 yes, yes, yes controversy <laughs> in, in inverted commas and then uh yeah the the goal i think gunman might have done enough to 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 earn a point so that they'll be they'll be upset obviously that they didn't get anything but it was a very very good goal um to win it because Lukau, um yeah kind of i, I don't know it was an overhead kick wasn't it but it, it wasn't mm. like wasn't the most acrobatic one you'll ever see but for a big guy with his back to goal you know, from an oblique angle to get the ball back across for 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 Mork to to to, to volley him was good. I actually thought there might be half a shout that the ball might have gone out for a goal kick um, when he chested it up in the air. But considering the the skill and, and creativity of the goal, I think that should just be overlooked and it did um, you know should should be fine. So yeah, good uh, good goal for for from Okayama to win it. And I think. Uh, you know, Okayama, we, we've not talked about them that much this year uh, because they, they draw all the time. So it's difficult for us to not to sit on the fence with them. But they're, you know, close to the playoff places, aren't they? Um, I think they're only a point behind their eighth, the point off the playoffs. Gunma, you know, they, they've been fifth and sixth for ages, but they just dropped out now, haven't they, on goal difference from, from Iwata. So they're down to seventh. It's very interesting to see in the next few weeks if they still hang around in that kind of top six, top eight, or they, they start to slide down the table a little bit now. But um, yeah, I thought this was another, by J2 standards, pretty decent, uh, pretty high quality game. And um, d- defensive blunders were, were few and far between. I don't know if you if, don't know if you saw it the same way, James. Yeah, I enjoyed this one as well. I was really happy to see that 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 moment from Lukao. I really like him as a as a player, and and it, it was it's been 
it's been nice to see him getting being able to get minutes to be able to play and be back in J2 because he, he had two years at Matsumoto and he hardly played because he had just terrible luck with injuries but he's he's definitely not a not a J3 striker he's a J2 striker and what also impressed me with that is he actually he lost his footing and and I think that might be kind of why he had to like hook it back over his head but the way that he he managed to draw the attention of like three defenders so there was space for Mork to just smash it in was it was a really good goal I really I, I really liked like seeing that and but yeah Okayama they're, they're this year's draw specialists aren't they they've only lost once which is amazing but they've drawn so many they they've got pretty good um defense defense with uh with Bice and and Takagi as their center backs same as last year and they've got a lot of attacking firepower but they they're not that, I mean, like Solomon Sakuragawa is doing very well, and I think he's definitely kicked on from from what we saw of him at Jeff over the last couple of years. But I think mm. he still needs to take more ch- chances. He's, he seems to have missed quite a few, mm. and I think they need they need him to take his chances. Maybe they need uh, Luke out to start scoring as well. To, to avoid basically Tokushima's problem last year, which is where they draw too many and they can't finish as high as they really want to. Um, mm. In terms of Gunma, they're, they're still doing really well. They're a bit inconsistent at the moment. They've got win-loss, 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 but they're still seventh, like you said, which is amazing for Gunma. We talked about them the other week um, in, in a bit more detail. And uh, you mentioned... On the pod last week, uh, Chie Edojong Kawakami is is impressing, and I thought he was he he's been doing well for them this year as well. And Ryo Sato, who scored the penalty, he's uh, he's leading the league in in assists. He's got five assists and he's got four goals, so he's proved to be a, an excellent signing. And yeah, uh, it's a good match. Well, next they've got Fujieda at home, and then they're away to Kanazawa. So that's two kind of mid-table, lower mid-table teams with um, slightly suspect defences, <laughs> you say. <laughs> um, so they'll be looking at those games and thinking they can they can win those, and, and they absolutely should be. I, I think they can win them as well. And so, yeah, it looks like their great season's going to continue, and, and how, how long can they stay up in the top half? How long can they stay up in the playoff picture? It's, it's amazing. For, for a club of Gunma's size and recent history. Mm. No, I think, think I, I agree with the with all of that. And I think on, on Chie Edo John Kawakami in particular, he has the squad number five and he's mm. not the tallest. So it's, I'm quite surprised to see him playing like operating kind of wide on the left. Mm. He doesn't really have the, the squad number or the physical build that you associate with a, a tricky winger. Um, so mm-hmm. I get, get the feeling he's just. I, I think the coach Olski likes him and is just trying to fit him in wherever he can. I'm not. I'm still not sure what his preferred position or best position is, but he's been part of a real. Um, and it's a cliche, but it's true. A real uh, team effort at Gunma uh, mm-hmm. this year. And on Rio Sato, yeah, I think he hit the crossbar, didn't he, um, mm-hmm. in this match with a free kick? So he could have added to his his goal tally um, as well. And I think yeah, he has been 
a really impressive performer. But I think we can pick out that there are quite a few names from the Gunma team who've caught the eye, like a Nagakura we've mentioned before. I don't know if you talked about Amagasa on the on the pod, but he's also stood out. But basically, the whole team's been doing well, and uh, yeah, there's you know we, we could name check all eleven, but um, mm-hmm. to, just to save the listeners' uh, ears, we we won't. But um, yeah, they they are going really well. Yeah, and um, well, what, what else? What, another thing that's interesting about Gummo is you said it's it's been a real team effort, and and I think it's I think it's fair to say that every year Gummo Gummo work as a as a team. They never really well, they had uh, Ginky Ormai for for a year or two as, as I suppose he was their kind of star player, but it's often they they tend not to have a kind of a, a real standout, and and this year they. They lost um, Junior Kato. He was there for I think four years. Mm-hmm. He's gone to Kanazawa, and um, Masaya Kojima, the right back, has also gone to Kanazawa. So two of two of who I would I would have said that two of their better players, but they clearly not missing them, which which is testament to the job that that Odsky's doing and and to the, the the players that they've signed. And yeah, like you said, the the way that they're playing as a team. So uh, let's move on, shall we? Let's let's talk about the team that's in second. Tokyo mm. Verdi. They won two 0 away to Renofa Yamaguchi. Uh, they had a lot of help from uh, from Yamaguchi. Um, this um, this game was over after 20, 20 minutes, wasn't it, John? Uh, yeah, well, I was going to say if anybody wants to uh, watch the highlights, but would you know if anybody has twenty five minutes spare, if you just watch the first twenty five minutes of this game in full, there's there's no need to watch the rest. Uh, mm. Really, yeah, the the game was uh, was done and dusted at that point. Um, you've mentioned before on the pod and and on Twitter that you know Yamaguchi's defending is uh, suspect or, or or dodgy. Um, and I think they they were not at their best in the first twenty minutes of this game. I think for the opening goal. Um, I was just really surprised at how the, uh, I think it's Kazuya Miyahara at right back has just so much time and space to measure across into the penalty area. Um, it's quite surprising that you'd give an away team, you know, basically free reign to, to, to just put crosses into your penalty area early on in a match like that. But they, they did. And then it was uh, another goal, wasn't it, from the same side, this time a low cross from Koki Morita that um, the goalkeeper Terakado went in with a defender at the near post and they got in each other's way. And then the, the ball just rolled loose at the back post for Fukuzawa to score. And you thought that was as bad as it was going to get. But then the aforementioned goalkeeper, Riku Terakado, he did a he did a madness, didn't he, James? Um, Yam, Yamaguchi was doing a build-up uh, or trying to do build-up. And then he uh, had the ball on the edge of his own penalty area. And he just sort of fell over. I mean, he fell over. There's no other way to, uh, to describe. He ended up uh, going arse over tit. Uh, the ball went straight to uh, Verdi's Byron Vasquez, who uh, tried to chip the the goalkeeper, who managed to pick himself up, and then he uh, handled the ball with both hands outside the box to stop it from going in, and got sent off. So um, yeah, that was that's pretty much the story of the match. The uh, the, the the ten men of Yamaguchi were uh, couldn't get back into it, and, and Verdi are a very good side this year, and they held on uh, almost boringly comfortably. I would I would say as a neutral. For the for the three points, so a really really good win for Verdi, and I think especially they um, conserved so much energy in that last 70, 65, <laughs> 70 minutes by just being being uh, being two nil up and, and cruising. So uh, for Yamaguchi, I think they have a lot a lot of problems. 
to, to contend with. But for Verdi, it was another impressive performance. And I I'm not sure we've talked about them uh, enough as a possible sort of promotion uh, or, or playoff uh, contender. But the job that Joe Fuku is doing is pretty incredible. Um, they seem to have a lot of new young players in the team that I I used to be quite switched on to the, the names that were coming through the youth system there. And I would kind of know in advance who was going to be coming into the first team. But now they have the six or seven players uh, in the squad that I'm, I'm not really uh, not really aware of who have come through from the youth team and um, seem to be doing a great job and are in J2 with no problem. So, uh, yeah, long may it continue. And we, we better get Lewis on the pod at some point to uh, to wax lyrical about them in, in more detail. But what, what did you think, James? Yeah, if you can tear him away from flying his big flags, he's probably out um, celebrating and partying non-stop. I, 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 yeah, it's uh, kind of surprised to see Verdi in second. I, I, I kind of hadn't noticed that they were there. They've just been very, um, very businesslike. I think very unVerdi-like in a way. In the last couple of years or last few years, they've been a uh, what eleventh or twelfth, sixty-something points, pretty standard. Um, year after year Un under the previous couple of managers this game and this situation Verdi 2-0 up 22 minutes opposition goalie sent off this game would have finished 3-2 um, I don't know which way it would have gone but it wouldn't have remained 2-0 uh, so I think that that kind of shows quite clearly the the, uh, so the, Joe Fuku, Joe Fuku ball. Yeah, well, the change that Joe Fuku has, has had, has 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 made there, to the not just the style, but to the to the the mentality or the way they're able to manage a game and manage a situation, even with a, a huge amount of youngsters in in the squad, it they they they're not playing like inexperienced. Um, players they're, they're playing like they they know what they're doing and they've been doing it for for years and realized i've only actually seen one other verdi game in full this year and that was on match day one when they played against against kanazawa so i think pretty didn't learn too much from this match but i i think yeah it, it, the, the, the way they were able to close out the game um with the minimum of fuss perhaps was quite instructive as for Yamaguchi, yeah. Yeah, I've, I've talked about them at length and I, 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 they, those two goals, it was just too easy to drag a Yamaguchi defender out of position and get through. The first six minutes of this match leading up to the, the first goal, were it was just Verdi had the ball all the time. They attacked, didn't quite work, but they regained possession immediately, had another go. They're just working, 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 looking for a gap. Finally, one of the Yamaguchi defenders couldn't wait any longer and stepped up, left the gap. Verdi went through and scored. And then the same thing happened about 10 minutes later. And they got a new manager and a new goalkeeper, but the same problem. They just can't help themselves. Mm. The players are not suited to the way they're being asked to play. Mm. And if they're going to keep playing like that, they're going to keep having these problems. Mm, I'm still not sure they should have accepted uh, Natsuka's resignation, to be honest. I think I, if I had no, been the chair, the, yeah, I think if I was the chairman, I might have uh, made sure my phone was turned off, uh, you know, just let, let let it go to voicemail. Because, um, yeah, I'm not really sure what they, um, I mean, I think in his resignation statement, there was something about getting into the top six or whatever. And it's, it's obviously yeah, not, not overly, not overly realistic, but um, I think avoiding the bottom six might have been even more likely with, with him in charge. So, 
yeah, I'm not sure where they they're headed. Um, it wasn't a very impressive uh, impressive day at the office for them at all. On Verdi, uh, just real quick, I, the the players just seem to be having a really good time, really enjoying themselves. And Joe Foucault on the bench, um, it, it seems to be in like a kind of Benjamin Button situation. He just seems to be getting younger mm-hmm. um, and slimmer. And I think he's just really enjoying um, coaching the, um, a young kind of um, hungry squad. Um, so I think the the sky is the limit for them. I do I do think they are you know the the squad is over reliant on the young players who form will obviously fluctuate because that 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 happens when the players are, are young and don't have as many games under their belts or as much experience. But um, and I think there's perhaps a wider point to be made. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, Luce, don't 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 get angry. Uh, you know, a wavy big flag uh, aggressively in my direction. But I think we can infer that the quality of the league as a whole is a bit lower this year because Machida are kind of running away with it at the top at the moment. Mm. And some of the other kind of teams we expected to perform well haven't. So I I think Verdi have done really, really well. But them being in second tells us a bit about the other the, the strength of the rest of the division, I think, in, in relative terms. But um, that's not a criticism of Verdi. It's not their fault. Um, and uh, and I think they they've shown enough in the first seventeen games to suggest that the top six is not beyond them at all this season. So yeah, long long may it continue. I think it's good good to see a squad of young, hungry, well coached players uh, up at the top top end of the table. Mm. Yeah, I agree. And um, let's uh, let's talk about one more game, a bonus fourth game, um, a team that you and I have both described as uh, perhaps a slightly better version of Yamaguchi, Mito Hollyhock. They lost 3-0 home to Rasso Kumamoto. Uh, another really impressive but perhaps easy win for, for Kumamoto uh, was the impression I got from the highlights. But what did you make of this one? Uh, yeah, can't can't disagree with that really. I think it was a, a very... I, I've got the word comfortable win in, in my notes. Mm. And uh, Kumamoto even uh, had the luxury of missing a late penalty, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Um, they could they could have made it four with that with that late, uh, late spot kick that was saved. So, yeah, again... In, in some, you, you mentioned uh, Yamaguchi as a comparison, and I think one thing that these teams, Mito and Yamaguchi, had in common at the weekend was just letting in a silly goal in the the seventh minute, which which really cost them. And I think for for Mito, it was just a, a long ball out from the back, and between the two Mito centre backs, there was enough space for at least one boss, possibly two. And uh, Daichi Shikawa is an informed striker, isn't he? He's not going to pass up a chance like that. And it was it was one nil, and it was kind of hard. I think when you go behind early on and you're a struggling team, it's hard to get a foothold back in the game. And really, Kumamoto could have been out of sight by half time, uh, couldn't they? I think Mito's keeper Nakayama made a good save from an Ishikawa shot. Uh, Takio Shimamura had an effort that hit the post, and then Nakayama did a, a bit of a did a bit of a silly, didn't he? He spilled the ball. Uh, when he came out to collect a cross, and that ended up with, I think, Hirakawa hitting the crossbar. So it could have been three or four to Kumamoto at, at half-time. And then, uh, yeah, they they picked up a couple of goals uh, kind of in the second half to uh, to make the game safe. And I don't really think Mito were in any serious danger of getting back into the game, uh, certainly once it was 2-0, um, you know, about 10 minutes into the second half. So, yeah, good, good result for Kumamoto, who are, who are travelling uh, well. I think Mito, they always seem to do this to us, um, James. They kind of hint that they're going to be in the relegation dogfight and then they always seem to kind of grab enough points to to survive, don't they? Um, so I'm, I'm not really sure uh, what to make of them. I think they they, they they huffed and puffed a lot in this game and, and didn't 
didn't really make any headway. I think it's big. It's a big miss not having Lu, Rui Yamaguchi in goal. I think they'll, they'll they'll do better when he's back from his injury. Um, I'm not sure exactly when that will be, but I do note that they have uh, Mito have conceded 33 this season already in 70 matches. The, the only team with a, a similar record is Yamaguchi, so there's the, they're the joint worst. They've they've conceded 33 goals each. Um, not a great record after 17 uh, matches. That's like 1.9 something goals per game, isn't it? So if that doesn't improve, we are going to see Yamaguchi and Mito down in that bottom bottom five, bottom six. Um, for the rest of the season. So we, we'll see how they go on. But for Kumamoto, I think it was a very uh, commanding and impressive win. Um, real quick on Kumamoto, they had uh, Yuya Sato in goal uh, for mm. this one, which is uh, obviously a, a rarity because Ryuga Tashiro has been the, the first choice this season. Um, the I noticed on the zone, the, the commentator said Tashiro suspended. And I, yeah. couldn't re- I couldn't remember him being sent off. So I kind of went back through. Um, I, I'm, I'm not, uh, I don't use football lab, but I went back through the J-League official website, because I was couldn't remember him being sent off. But he's picked up four yellow cards yeah. in the first 16 uh, matches, which is, for a goalkeeper, is quite some doing. Um, so yeah. uh, hats off hats off to Ryuga Tashi, a goalkeeper getting, getting four yellow That's that yellow card every four matches. <laughs> well, good going. I, I, he was one of there were three Kumamoto players I wanted to pick out, and one was Ryuga Tashiro, because I, I think he's a really good goalie. I like him. He's quite, um, he seems like quite a character. And uh, he makes a lot of quite spectacular saves, and he's always really fired up. And so, I, but I realised, yeah, he wasn't playing in this one. So I look back as well. Yeah, accumulated yellows, um, including two in the preceding two matches in the stoppage time at the end of the games for presumably for for time wasting. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's, just, it's just funny, really. It's, it's funny. It's funny that their first choice goalkeeper is, as you said, a bit of a character, and their backup goalkeeper is also quite a character. <laughs> it's good. Well, football is entertainment, isn't it? And uh, if you're gonna, if you're gonna, if you're not gonna, ent- I mean, Mito, I've got seven. I've, they've got seven goalies on their books. I know um, Guri Yamaguchi's injured, but I mean. Well, don't don't forget when he got injured and the other guy is it? I forget the other goalkeeper got called up to the Japan under twenties. They immediately signed another one on loan from Yokohama FC. So they're they're determined to have at least five available mm. at all times. Yeah, well, as uh, again as we we said earlier before we started recording, perhaps they uh, they should um, put them all on the pitch at the same time and see what happens because <laughs> they can't really do much worse than their actual defenders, surely. Yeah, I think it's centre backs they should be shopping for now, not not goalkeepers. Yeah. Yeah, um, but one thing about Mito is they do have a very young squad. I, I checked, and it's the second youngest in terms of average age in the league. And of course, they've got a new manager, and so I think those are perhaps mitigating circumstances, and and perhaps go some way to explain why they are in this situation. But. They and they, we talked about them the other week as well. They do have attacking firepower, but no one's no one's really produced anything yet. Apart from uh, Shimon Teranuma's doing well, but he's a rookie and he perhaps is at the moment more more effective as a as a kind of impact sub rather than a starter. And then yeah, Yuki Kusano, Shoji Toyama, Kaito Imeda, none none of those guys have really. Um, Produced anything near what 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 Mito need or what what perhaps we were hoping for from them, but going back to um, well, I, and in Mito, I, I also said I've only seen them lose heavily this year when I've watched them, um, but I'm sure I'll see them win 
uh, when they come to Kanazawa in a few weeks. <laughs> um, for Kumamoto, uh, um, Tashiro, the other two I wanted to pick out, Daichi Ishikawa, you mentioned. Um, I've, I don't think they're missing Toshiki Takahashi at all. He's, Ishikawa's got nine goals and two assists, which is which is tremendous after 17 games. And the other player I wanted to mention is uh, Rei Hirakawa, who uh, he's their captain. He seems like he's playing like a man possessed after missing out on promotion by such a small margin last year. Kind of seems to have taken over from So Kawahara in terms of like leading the team around the pitch. And aside from that double miss uh, in this game, I think he, he's been playing really, really well. Three goals and three assists. He's played 100%. He's played every minute of this season. Um, all, all, all games in full. And I think he's he's really he's their key man. And um, yeah, I, I realised the other day that um, Kita Kyushu are bottom of J3. And I, I just hadn't noticed. And so in uh, in our very exclusive uh, group chat that you and I have with Mike, I asked I asked him what's going on. And um, he, he made the, the point that it's, it's very interesting to, to, to know that, they, you know, they were at one point they were top of J2 in 2020 and then they went down the following year and now they're bottom of, of J3. And Compare that situation with Kumamoto. I mean, 2020 Kitakushu squad at the end of that year, that was that was ripped apart. All their best players got signed. Mm. Kumamoto last year, they finished fourth. Their squad was ripped apart. Pretty much all of their their um, standout performers left, but they they're comfortably mid table, and it looks like they're going to finish comfortably mid table or higher again this year. I think it's a really interesting comparison with 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 Kita Kyushu. Mm. Uh, I'm not sure that it. I don't know what it means, but it's just interesting. <laughs> I think I think the real the real skill to football management at this the level that we're talking about, like J two or, or J three, and I, I didn't expect to be bringing up Brighton uh, on the pod, so I'll, ke- I'll mm. keep it brief because we, we're out, out of the uh, the J two wheelhouse spectacularly at this point. But I think it's having the foresight to to plan for when players are going to leave or be sold. Mm. Uh, and have players either identify targets that you can realistically bring in and replace them mm. or or to have players already on your books in your youth team or on the fringes of the squad who you know can come in and mm. and can can do a job you know and I, I think at Kumamoto you've seen okay yeah you mentioned Toshiki Takahashi and and they lost Sol Kawahara and it's like how how on earth are they going to replace the the impact those guys had on the team last year well they had they they've got players who I mean, with Ishikawa, some of the goals he scores, it's like I'm watching Takashi. He's like a clone. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think Kita Kyushu, they haven't been able. I, I mean, I'm I'm not haven't watched that much J3 this year with with being busy, but you know they J3 it's harder because you you lose players and they can't be replaced. Good example might be Miyazaki as well, right? Who came into the league, had a great first season sold the, the the standout players and couldn't replace them and and struggled after that so i think it's the key is not just um you know it's, it's all very well being a premier league team and having so much money that all you ever have to think about is who am i going to add to the squad but when, when you're in j2 or j3 you always have to think okay who do i want to add but at the same time who's gonna you know the the rug can get pulled out from under you can't it players that you're building a team around can get sold and then you need to have some some players in mind who can come in and replace him, and I, and I think in a Takeshi Oki 
it, he's just a perfect fit for Kumamoto and the way they the, the way their production line works. So uh, yeah, fair play to them again. Like Verdi, it's good to see a team with so many young players doing well at the top. It's good to see a team like Kumamoto not um, being sort of gutted by by having to sell players to survive and and being able to keep the kind of good good times rolling. So uh, yeah, more more power to them. I think it's good good to see. Yeah, I agree. All right. Uh, so that was our bonus fourth game. Hope everyone enjoyed uh, enjoyed that. Or if if you didn't, sorry. Uh, <laughs> too don't, late. Don't, now. don't don't sow the seeds of doubt in the listeners' mind, James. They were, you know, might never have occurred to them that it was it wasn't fun. All right, sorry. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> match day 18's coming up this weekend. Uh, Saturday twenty seventh, Sunday twenty eighth. We got two games on Saturday at two o'clock. Kofu against Omiya. And then fifth against sixth, Nagasaki against Iwata. Then all the other games are on Sunday. There's eight games at two o'clock. Sendai against Jeff United. Akita versus Oita. Tochigi v Okayama. Gunma play Fujieda. Tokyo Verdi play Iwaki. Shimizu four, Kanazawa nil. Tokushima play Machita. <laughs> Kumamoto against Yamagata. And then one at three o'clock, uh, Oh, a big one actually. Mito against Yamaguchi. Mm. Uh, any anything tickle your fancy there, John? Yeah, yeah, a co- couple of games that I mentioned. Re- re- real quick, I just I just add in if if you don't mind, we we will talk about on the pod next week the Levan Cup games from from oh, this yeah. midweek. So um, the I'm determined to to mention all these games uh, for for my own, even if it's for my own gratification at this point. So uh, on Wednesday night, so I think the games are finished already by the time listening to this. But it's to Tosu are playing. Uh, against Iwata, so J2's Iwata go to Tosu, and uh, Shimizu uh, hosting Shonan. Uh, so we, we will briefly um, kind of keep you up to date with the the, uh, the Shizuoka side's uh, progress, or lack of, in the Levant Cup uh, next week as well. But on, on the J2 uh, tip for the weekend, yeah, let's uh, let's talk about the, the Sunday game at 3 o'clock, Mito against Yamaguchi. That's uh, that's this round's Iwaki Omiya, isn't it? Um, mm-hmm. I think it's a kind of, has that feel of... Um, not necessarily a relegation six-pointer because we're not even at the halfway point of the season yet, but um, Yamaguchi and Mito both look pretty poor at the weekend. Uh, and I would suggest, considering how many games have been in a short space of time in May, they're, they're probably pretty tired. So um, I think this this could this has the potential to be a bit of a slug slugfest, um, mm. and uh, that's what we like to see, if we're honest, isn't it? So I think that, that that's, that's a good game to watch. Either, if either side can get all three points, that's just going to give them a huge lift, um, you know, going into the sort of approaching the halfway point of the season. I also think from the, the Saturday games, Nagasaki-Iwata looks quite interesting because Iwata, I know they didn't win against Iwaki, but they, they were just pegged back. Uh, sorry, yeah, against Iwaki, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. They were just pegged back by that 90th minute equaliser for Iwaki at the weekend. If they'd won that game, Iwata would have been on four straight wins. You know, so their their trajectory is taking them up the table at the moment. Nagasaki have been doing so well, but I think they, they haven't won in the last four. So it's kind of a, a an out-of-form team hosting an informed team, Nagasaki against Iwata. So I think that's an intriguing match. And, uh, yeah, from the Sunday 2pm games, Oita have also wobbled a little bit recently. Uh, and it was a bit surprising that they, they sort of had the golden chance to beat Nagasaki, didn't they? Because Nagasaki had um, 10 Miyagi sent off very early on away at, uh, at Oita in the last round. But Oita couldn't, couldn't get the job done. It ended up being a 1-1 draw. 
uh, Akita, um, just to wheel out the traditional stereotype, quite a difficult ground to play at, difficult, you know, awkward opponent. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Akita have got some um, perhaps physical surprises in store for Oita. So um, that, I'm, I'm curious to see how Oita uh, deal with uh, deal with that match. Yeah. So uh, yeah, th- those are my three. I don't know if you'd agree or if you have any others. Yeah, I, I'm quite interested in Kofu against Omiya. Um, because I just saw Kofu in, in Kanazawa and they, um, they, they're, they're pretty good. They're a good team. They've been, that's, well, that's why they're, they're fourth. They, um, they're, they're pretty good at, at winning narrow games. And I saw Steve Fryer tweeted that Omiya haven't scored two in a game since months ago mm. March or something the end of March match day three or something like that or, or oh um, no it was start of April and they beat Yamagata 2-1 mm. since then they haven't scored more than more than one goal in a game so I mean your, your money would be on Kofu edging that one but mm. The way Omiya attacked in in the the later part of their draw with Sendai last week suggests and and the the comments of the the manager afterwards as again saw Steve tweeted that the manager was pleased with the way they had they had attacked mm. perhaps Omiya can get something from that but I think it would be interesting I don't think it would be a particularly high scoring game but I think it would be an interesting game just real quick James I will add in that Omiya kind of um, state club statement today they're, they're still targeting the playoffs it said oh well so, um, there you go so, yeah no, no no, time like the present perhaps considering their bottom after 17 games now might be a good time to start sort of targeting the playoffs a bit more more accurately well that's why they keep having these behind closed door meetings I suppose um, apart from that, well, so we mentioned Gunma earlier. Uh, Gunma for Jed will be interesting. I, I still, I still, I want, I want to know if Gunma are the real deal. If they can, how long can they can stay up in in or near the playoffs? And uh, Kumamoto Yamagata, Yamagata put together a reasonable run recently, and Kumamoto are still sort of trundling along in mid table, doing quite well without um, putting up any trees. But I think that would be an interesting one. And um, about Sendai against Jeff United as well. I mean, Jeff, they they dropped a position last weekend, but they they won three in a row. And it, it's not that long since we were they were they were second bottom. And now they've got Hiro Komori back and he's scoring again. So it's also missing a lot of chances, but he does at least score occasionally. So mm-hmm. um so this fourteenth against fifteenth, and and I think, uh, sorry, it's twelfth against fourteenth rather. I think, um, yeah, Sendai they finally managed to get back to back wins, and then they they drew with Omio, and they should have closed that game out. So, and we've talked about them a bit before as well. They they've kind of disappointed so far this year. So I think that that would be an interesting one as well. Mm. Could be, uh, you know, at some point Mendes is going to make his debut in in the Jeff defence as well. You never know when uh, Angular. Angular sort of gangliness is going to return to J2 any any time. Yes, and then people who get annoyed at obstruction not being uh, 
given by referees can um, just go crazy <laughs> with rage <laughs> watching watching Jeff. Yeah, uh, that's right. For oh, a different oh, reason, I mean, people... Go ahead, go, go ahead, James, sorry, go ahead, go ahead, sorry, sorry. Quite a lot of people probably go crazy with rage watching Jeff for a variety of reasons. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was going to add uh, real quick, match of the, you know, runaway leaders at the moment are away at Tokushima uh, on uh, on Sunday, as you mentioned, and Tokushima were surprisingly poor um, in losing 3-0 away at Fujieda. I know the, the, the first goal that Fujieda scored was a, a, a bit of a worldy from uh, from Enomoto, but in the second half, the sort of um, lack of intensity that, that Tokushima showed was quite surprising to me, especially like inability to sort of track back or lack of interest in tracking back was a, a problem from quite early on in the second half. So I would be very surprised if they can get anything out of Machida, but they, they will need a big improvement on the, the, the work rate, I think, to, to get anything in that game. Yeah, well, that, sounds, that sounds like a regression to what they were doing Back at the start of the season, which mm. uh, you, you've got to hope for, for their sakes that they're, they're not going to go and do that again because uh, having just got themselves out of that horrible slump and, and pulled themselves up the table a bit, that that, that could be, uh, be dangerous. Mm. So, yeah, some, uh, some interesting matches coming up again, as usual. Uh, it wouldn't be J2 if they weren't. So uh, I think we'll leave it there. Thanks, John. It's always it's always nice to chat about chat about football with you. Oh, thanks, James. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's been a hard week this week work-wise, so it's always good to good to let off some steam and, and chat to you too. Mm, good. Thanks, and uh, thanks everyone for listening. Thank you to everyone who subscribes on Patreon. Uh, we are very grateful for your financial support of, uh, of the J Talk podcast and J Talk Extra Time. So that's it from me and John. But stay tuned because uh, coming up next, Mike Innes has JTalk Short Corner and he's going to be telling you about the J3 teams who played in the Emperor's Cup last weekend. Bye for now. Hello everyone and welcome to JTalk Short Corner, the mini pod that keeps you up to date with events in J3 of the J-League. I'm your host, Mike Innes, and in this episode, I'll be looking back on J3 participation in the Emperor's Cup first round, as well as previewing the J3 round 11 matches coming up this weekend. There were five ties with J3 involvement in the Emperor's Cup first round on Saturday the 20th of May, all ending in victory for the J3 representatives. Can't score in the league, but against student opposition in the cup, it's all good for Fukushima United, 4-0 winners over North Asia University. Three goals in the late stages of the first half decided this tie. Ryo Shiohama's header, a Hiroki Higuchi penalty and a shot from Kota Mori. A header by youngster Hiroshi Omori wrapped things up nine minutes from time. Straightforward two for Tegavajaro Miyazaki against Tokai University Kumamoto. Kazuma Nagata putting Hiroshi Matsuda's team in front just before half-time. Starlet Harumi Minamino getting his fourth of the year in all competitions on 71 minutes. Tomoya Kitamura concluding the scoring at 3-0 with a late penalty. 
Goals in each half from Hiroki Yamamoto and Yasufumi Nishimura, both headers from corners, gave J3 leaders AC Nagano Pasairo a 2-0 win over AS Laranja Kyoto. And Kamatamari Sanuki also got the better of regional league opposition, but needed to come from behind to beat Kyushu League's Brew Kashima, who went in front in the 15th minute. Rookie forward Soshi Iwagishi pulled Sanuki level early in the second half. Yuto Mori scored what turned out to be the winner 15 minutes from time. Final score 2-1 Kamatamare. All the action between FC Gifu and Niigata University of Health and Welfare was in the last 20 minutes. Gifu going in front through Charles Unduka, the students drawing level with five minutes to go, only for Korsuke Fujioka's well-struck shot to clinch a 2-1 win for Gifu. Then on Sunday the 21st, the only all-J3 tie ended in a penalty shootout win for league wooden spooners Giravance Kidakushu against Kagoshima United. Noriaki Fujimoto scored his first goal back in a Kagoshima shirt to open the scoring on 15 minutes. Rookie Ko Seung-jin equalised just before half-time. From there, the game proceeded into extra time, in the eighth minute of which rookie Seiyatake got his third in consecutive games to put Kagoshima back in front, only for another rookie, Yusuke Oishi, to tie things up again with a header five minutes from the end. 2-2 it finished, Giravance running out 4-1 winners on penalties. All very comfortable for a second string Iwate Guruja Morioka against Kriason Shinjuku. Kenneth Otabo and Douglas Oliveira had Iwate two up in the first 16 minutes. Jang Hyunsu and Otabo again added further goals in the closing stages for a 4 0 win. Second place, Katare Toyama beat Hokuriku University 2-1. Shunta Takahashi giving Katare the lead with his seventh of the season in all competitions in the 34th minute. Rookie defender Atsushi Nabeta making it 2-0 with his first pro goal just after the break. The students pulled one back midway through the second half to no avail. The first J3 team this season to change their coach, FC Ryukyu, got past Mitsubishi Mizushima of the Chugoku League. Kazuki Kuranuki departed the club in midweek. Caretaker Tetsuhiro Kina's side went 1-0 ahead through Kelvin in the 12th minute. Mizushima equalised 12 minutes before the break, but with nine minutes to go, Ryukyu claimed a very welcome 2-1 win through Takahiro Yanagi. 
A strong SC Sagamihara lineup left it very late to overcome Tokyo International University. The students were one up from the 29th minute onwards. Sagamihara's star performer from last week, Ryu Wakabayashi, finally managed an equaliser with 20 minutes to go. And in the second minute of stoppage time, Tsubasa Ando netted a penalty to make it 2-1 to the J3 strugglers. And Marcus Vinicius's left foot shot in the 63rd minute gave FC Imabari a 1-0 win over Mitsubishi Heavy Industries' Nagasaki. But at this point, it starts to go a lot less well for our J3 teams. Performing outstandingly in their debut J-League season, they may be, but Nana Club lost to former JFL rivals Honda FC, defender Tape Kawanami scoring the only goal in the 63rd minute. Final score, Nana nil, Honda 1. And Azul Claro Numazu fell to defeat in their tie against high-flying JFL side Radak Shiga. Noah Kenshin Brown was on target with a header to put Numazu ahead 13 minutes into the second half. Aiki Matano equalised in the 75th minute and with the game in injury time at the end of extra time, Shiga's ex-J-leaguer Sohiro scored with his right foot to make the final score 2-1. Also beaten in extra time were Van Rare Hachinohe by current JFL leaders Sonny Sendai. Veteran defender Teppe Chikaishi's header gave Hachinohe the lead in the 26th minute. Sonny tied things up midway through the second half and then, in extra time, scored twice more to put themselves firmly in the driving seat. Rookie Riku Yamauchi pulled a goal back with three minutes to go, but it finished Hachinohe 2, Sonny Sendai 3. And finally, goals late in each half condemned Gainare Tottori to a 2-0 defeat against Vietain Mie. Former Fukushima midfielder Kenta Kawanaka got the first, ex-under-17 international Kaito Anzai the second. All this means 11 J3 teams have made it through to the Emperor's Cup second round. Those ties dotted variously across midweeks in June. A couple of immediate highlights look like being Iwate's trip to J1 strugglers Yokohama FC and the possibility of a return to Avispa Fukuoka for Imabari keeper John Ander Serantes. Full coverage, of course, on JTalk Short Corner. On to the league action now, and just time to look ahead to the J3 Round 11 matches coming up this weekend, when there are four games on Saturday the 27th of May. Third-placed Ehime have a good chance to pick up points at home to... Fukushima. Nah head for Shikoku to meet out of form Sanuki. Improving YSCC are at home to bottom side Kitakyushu. And can Hachinohe return to winning ways with a tough trip to Osaka?
Then on Sunday the 28th, leaders Nagano make the trip to mid-table Numazu. Hot on their heels in second, Toyama are also away. They go to Gifu. Massive game at Matsumoto where the visitors are Kagoshima. Big match also in the lower reaches of the table. Sagamihana at home to under-temporary management Ryukyu. Imabari play host to Totori. And finally, Iwate make the long journey south to Miyazaki. With all the week's business seen to then, that's it for this mini-pod. All that remains is for me to say thanks for listening. Enjoy your football and see you next time. Bye for now.